0: One guy's a three time Pro Bowler. The other's a three time Wisconsin Sports Writer of the Year. And together, they're just two guys talking pack. This is the Coon Podcast with Jason Wilde and John Coon. It is the John Coon Podcast on 620 WTMJ, ESP. It's everywhere. It's on Apple Podcasts.
1: Is it on Spotify? I'm sure it is. Yeah, we don't, you're an industry unto yourself. Well, we don't, you know, we don't pigeonhole ourselves. We're going to at least let ourselves get out there. And this is Jason Wildy, by the way.
0: <laughs> oh, no, you're introducing me. Yeah,
1: that's very. Kind. Who's the host and who's the co-host? And the, we'll just no, no, no. You know,
0: this we'll is, just this is this is you. You're not. You know, I'll you're say this. you the
1: offensive coordinator. I'm the defensive coordinator. We'll just we don't have a head coach.
0: I'm gonna. I'll, I'll say this about you, and I mean it wholeheartedly. You're an unselfish guy. You, you were always much. an unselfish guy as a player. Thank You're you. a good teammate. Um, just, I don't know. Nobody if fullback, cares. That I don't know if
1: a fullback can be selfish. I don't know. if I think.
0: Can. I think William
1: Henderson was selfish. What makes you say that? <laughs> That's not, a story
0: for when we're not
1: <laughs> recording. Oh goodness, my guy will and it, cut cut that out. <laughs> Ashton, that's my
0: god. We don't cut anything around here. Wait till I tell you after we're done recording the story, then you'll say, "Oh, I can see why he said that." Uh, hey, we they we've got some cookies here in
1: the media. I area. will not try them. I don't try anything that's sitting out on a folding chair in the middle of a lobby. <laughs> that does not bode. They were just for me. put there like a minute ago. I don't. So what? Gingerbread. I, it, it was one minute before I walked up here.
0: Oh, so had you seen it placed there? You'd have, you'd have maybe had one? It depends on who's placing it. You don't like gingerbread. It, it depends bread, on who's Tom placing it. Tom Silverstein from the Milwaukee Journal Center. Definitely not. <laughs> nice. Nicely done. Uh, are you a Christmas cookie guy? I mean, you're yeah. such an Adonis physically.
1: Well, no, I mean that's not true. But hey, I hey,
0: you didn't have Aaron Rodgers in the locker room earlier making fun of your jeans, like I just did. Well, that's
1: because look at those things. They're, they are they. You wore them in college. There's no, 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 no,
0: no, no. I mean maybe when I. Well, I'm you wore college. them when I was in college. That's for sure.
1: Anything that boot cut is definitely from too baggy, the '90s apparently. or the early 2000s. Um. I
0: apparently skinny jeans are the look, but you have to be a skinny person. What am I supposed to wear?
1: You think you have to? Do you see the people that wear skinny jeans? Most of the people in skinny jeans should not be in skinny jeans. I don't
0: want you to be able to say that about me.
1: That's the point of the skinny jean, though. You you just it doesn't matter your body type. I want like the pajama jeans. (laughs) Yeah, I
0: mean that. That they seem comfortable. Yeah, yeah. So you're, are you, you're a Christmas cookie guy, or you're not a Christmas cookie guy?
1: I absolutely. Well, I'm, I'm non-discriminatory when it comes to cookies. I'll eat them if they're Christmas, not Christmas. Because they're not on a not a chair in the hallway. I will especially eat them at Christmas time too. Um, yeah, I, I like the, uh, the star cookies. Do you guys bake? Do, do you guys you're lumping me in a category no don't lump me in a category my wife will make cookies now. that's So uh,
0: i meant you and your wife and your family no,
1: well it's not me my wife and my family it's my wife and my family she and actually your wife she really made does some delicious cookies the know. other day it's uh it, it's like an everything cookie it's got oatmeal it's got chocolate chip i mean it's it's a good you would think you're kind of mixing two good things could it could it but it gets better Really, it's it better. You know, mm. just two good things can can make something. I'm going to withdraw
0: my unselfish call because if you really were unselfish, you would have brought me a cookie. Especially if your wife does that a, great no, job. She weighed
1: a while ago. They're not. So we oh, don't okay. have any left. Uh huh. Okay. Sure. So uh, did, I brought you coffee. I have brought you donuts. That's true. Without being, you know, <laughs>
0: Compensated in any way. The one time where I had to bring Paula coffee, too. That's one of my favorite moments in our time together. All right. So where do you want to start? Because this is the kind of, to tell you the kind of teammate John Coon is, for the first time really since our podcast it's began. Not true. Not, not, that's not true either. <laughs> but it's a, you sent me, it may be one of the longest text messages I've ever got. You sent me like like eight ideas to talk about. Like, well I
1: just thought this was a fascinating week. There's a lot of things that popped up this week. No question. And you would I mean with it being Bears Week, there are all kinds of storylines, but you would have never thought some of these things would pop up the way that they popped up and they and they have. It's been it's been a great week for, for tidbits.
0: Look at you, Mr. Media. This is why the quarterback gives you a hard time. You're thinking in terms of story ideas. I love it. Well, you know.
1: What so, am I, do? I gotta adapt to my surroundings.
0: So you wanna start with cheap shots or cheap shot allegations? I I I
1: definitely would love to start with that. That's is that not fascinating? All right, so if you missed this story earlier in the week, I mean, we just talked about the Mason Rudolph to Clowney incident and or no, that's not kind Miles Garrett, Miles Garrett, the yep. Miles Garrett, uh, Mason Rudolph incident. And we never what once really brought up cheap shot, we said it was egregious, but we never right. really brought up any cheap shots or at that whole thing. So you know, we stand pretty far down on the fence of, of things that should and shouldn't be allowed in the game and how things should be punished
0: so darius geis who's the running back for washington suffered a season-ending mcl injury in last sunday's game against the packers when he broke free for a 23-yard run and darnell savage comes in and tackles him low hits him in the legs
1: why do we even say low why don't we just say tackles? Well, the reason low. So
0: the reason I say low is because, as he made a really good point earlier in the week, he plays a position where if you hit guys high, you get fined or penalized or both, and you hurt your team.
1: Yeah, but now we're saying low. Now, okay, so first he can't hit a guy high, and now you're saying right. low. Like exactly. you're implying there is a low. Now no. you're implying there is a low. He hit him in the legs. For a quarterback standing in the pocket, there's a low.
0: Sure. But the strike zone, is, not very big for not, him. Yeah, no, it's... T- P- baseball, for, it really is like a baseball strike zone it, yes, for, it's for from, quarterbacks. It's from, the,
1: it's from the waist to the chest, and that's it. So he comes in
0: and makes the tackle, and Darius Guy suffers a knee injury. Now... I understand sometimes we all say things that we probably don't think through.
1: Well, he definitely didn't because he deleted it later.
0: Right. And so I understand. Look, he's he's frustrated, right? He's a second-round pick. Last year he missed the entire season when he tore his ACL in preseason. Then this year he plays in the first game. And then he tears his meniscus and misses the next, like, eight games. Now he's been back for three or four weeks, and now his season's over. So his first two years in the NFL have been basically ruined by knee injuries. For
1: three different knee injuries, yeah.
0: So I I can sympathize on that. But you're telling me, as he suggested in his tweet... That not only was it a cheap shot by Darnell Savage, but that Darnell Savage knew his injury history and intentionally targeted him in the knee.
1: Get out of here. That is the craziest thing. First of all, how full of yourself are you to think that people (laughs) know your injury history? Did I know... I knew maybe a handful of guys that we were playing against were injured and they were coming back from something because it said literally he's coming back from something. Or they were a cast or a brace or something on that part. So I assumed that he had something wrong with that. Part of his body
0: And Geis is a second year guy and, and Savage is a rookie. it's not like it's you know a 10th vet, year veteran and an eighth year veteran where you guys have faced each other, a bunch you know who they
1: times, are. and it, this, this to me is the, the epitome of entitled athletes today. How do we possibly think that the other guy knows we've had knee injuries and tries to attack the knee and second of all. Because you've had knee injuries, are we now not allowed to tackle you low? This is as if I would have said to one of those big, bad linebackers back in the day who wanted to come downhill and do nothing but split my shoulder pads in half, hey, you know I have stinger problems. What are you doing hitting me as hard as you are? Because I have stinger problems. Oh, my goodness.
0: You should have tried that. I wonder how that would have gone over
1: yeah, not yeah. That wouldn't have gone over too often. Well. They would have, they would have hit me harder.
0: So Darnell Savage addressed this, and quite frankly. Um I think you were there when he did this. Like, he was shocked by he was Like, he, was he had blown,
1: no idea. I was blown away. I saw the crowd around Darnell's locker, and I thought, what, are they mistaken Darnell? for?" I thought for a second,
0: they meant the to talk media to Adrian Amos.
1: wanted to talk to Adrian Amos. He had the game ball. He had a sack. He had an interception. He had seven tackles. Playing he had a his fo- former team. Playing, he had a forced fumble the week before that got right. called back. Like, he had an outstanding game. He's playing his former team with the chance to knock them out of the playoffs, and yet they're talking to Darnell. I was, I was confused. It wasn't until I walked up and I heard this that I realized Geis made this outlandish comment.
0: And, and as Matt Schneidman from The Athletic, who asked the first question and told him about it, A, Darnell wasn't aware of it, and B, he, he seemed not only legitimately surprised, but, John, this is something that Tausch and I were talking about during the week as well, is you guys, I, there, I'm sure there are guys you didn't like that you played against. Right, And you maybe wanted to hit him a little bit harder because they were jerks or whatever. But for the most part, you guys are all looking out for each other. Absolutely.
1: When you're, you're not trying to. Okay, I, I say this to people all the time. You're not trying to hurt the guy. You're just trying to make him hurt a little bit. Like you're trying to right. hit guys hard. There's the intimidation factor. There's the psychological factor. You're trying to win that mental warfare of I'm tougher than you, I'm yeah. stronger than you, I'm more physically imposing than you. But you never, never do you ever try and hurt somebody. In fact, um, I can remember playing out here uh, on, a, on Lambeau Field one time, and it was a preseason game. Or maybe it was a regular season game. I, I it's getting kind of fuzzy <laughs> I'm sure. right now. But I I hit a linebacker for the Raiders, and it was kind of on the side, and he definitely didn't see me coming, and he was hurt, and he had to be taken off the field in a stretcher, and I was beat up about it. Right. I was broken up about it because that, that could be you too, yeah. by the way. And, and James Jones played on the Raiders at the time, and I can remember saying to James after the game, "Hey James, you have to go talk to this guy. You, you please just let him know." that that I, I didn't mean for that to happen, and I'm sorry, you know, and, and it, it happens. Like, injuries right. are a part of the game, but you feel so terrible when when they do happen like that.
0: And sometimes they're avoidable, right? I mean, they're playing the Bears this week, and that hit that Danny Trevathan put on Devontae Adams a couple of years ago where his forward progress is stopped, and he hits him in the face mask and knocks out his – not only knocks him out, but his mouthpiece goes flying. I mean, that, they're – I think we know the difference between a hit that is illegal because of the rules and a hit that is just immoral because there's no need for it and you're trying to hurt the guy.
1: Yeah, and I will go as far as to say... When you wind up these dolls the way that we're wound up on Sunday, it's hard to get them to stop. Like, the Danny Trevathan hit on Devontae, yes, it was egregious. And yes, it it was finable. And yes, he took a suspension. And I understand and I empathize with all that. But I also empathize with Danny Trevathan when you're trying to play the game as tough, as physical, and as rough as you can. And you do, you know, he stepped over the line. And I can't I was with the Saints at the time. So I don't know if he ever came back and verbally apologized or or tried to take it back or anything. But sometimes you step over the line and you collect yourself. And when the emotion settles down, you think, man, I took it too far.
0: Right. Um, So speaking of this topic, it is Bears Week. And, you know, once upon a time. And I'm sure you maybe I don't know if they would include this sort of thing in the video that you guys would watch every year that you guys played under McCarthy and the, the mm-hmm. Bear Week was coming, but mm-hmm. there were certainly times where there were players on one or the other side of the rivalry that were trying to hurt each other, right? I mean, there's the infamous Charles Martin body slam yeah. of yeah. Jim McMahon, yeah. and there's a hit where Ken Stills hits Matt Sui, and it, like Sui is like on his way to the the huddle for the next play by the time he <laughs> hits him and so i get that but you know aaron tells the story and maybe you were on the you probably were on the field for this one there was a game i think it was in chicago where he's in this compromised position as the pocket has collapsed and he's being sacked and if he gets pulled down He's probably going to tear his ACL. Uh And instead, Tommy Harris holds him up to protect him from Mm -hmm. tearing his ACL. And I I just thought it was, because there's a lot of talk this week, it's the 200th meeting between these two teams. Mm -hmm. And everyone loves to ask about the rivalry, right? You were in on Rodgers, and there Mm -hmm. were a bunch of questions. And he kept saying, you know, it's a huge rivalry for the fans. And it's not that these teams don't want to beat each other, but you played in this rivalry a lot of years. You were in... All the memorable games of the last decade: the NFC Championship game, the finale in 2013 with your block on Julius Peppers. But you didn't hate each other, like Bears and Packers fans yeah, hate it's, each it's, other, it's, but it's, not players.
1: It's, it's funny; it, it really is funny. It's this is one of those rivalries where you want nothing more, and you know how tough the game is going to be. It doesn't matter if a team is you know two and ten or ten and two. You know how physical and how violent and how tough and how much they are just going to leave it all out there for this game. And yet at the same time, you had this great Admiration and respect for one another, and a lot of those guys, especially on the defensive side, I really did. I, I, I really did. I can't speak enough of of what I think of them as competitors, adversaries, and and people. And you talk, you said Tommy Harris. Tommy Harris is probably one of my favorite bears. Really? Yeah, because he was tough, and he was good, and he was one of those defensive linemen that were really quick off the spot. Yet he had power, and he was just a terrific football player. And he wasn't a jerk. You know, after you played against him enough times, he would talk trash to you, but he would talk it in the way that you would talk trash to your best friend or your brother. He did it in a, he did it in a cool way, man. He, really? And, and, and that's the way you got when you played against these guys like I did 19 times. You, you created a relationship and a friendship with one another. And uh, There are some times, though. Uh, who was the linebacker that took down Aaron and broke his collarbone? Do you remember? Uh, Shay McClellan. Yes, it was Shay McClellan. And I can remember we played him the next year as well after, or later in the year. Oh, this was the 2013 finale. And he came (laughs) and Dove on Aaron as Aaron was going down, and we were all quick to rush over and i 'll never forget it to the day I die he was ju- He was just one of those guys who was trying to play hard, and we all rushed over because it w- he was who he was he 's the guy who knocked Aaron out right. for the half the season for us and Number two, here he is jumping on Aaron again at the end of the play, and Aaron stood up and got in his face, and we got in his face, and the look on his face was she, like he was almost embarrassed by the fact that he might be seen as a cheap shot guy on Aaron oh. Rodgers because he had so much respect for Aaron that he genuinely felt bad that he had broken Aaron's shoulder earlier in the really? year and here he is he's just trying Almost to, doing it again he's just trying to play the play it was just one of the most ironic uh, moments I've ever had on the field to see this guy playing the play. We all rush up to him, and he's so quick to be like, come on, man, you know that's not me. I'm sorry. Listen, I'm sorry. <laughs> he's literally saying he's sorry for tackling Aaron. No, guys, please don't hurt me. It wasn't even that. It was that he was worried about his right. reputation right. with the guys that he plays against all the time.
0: So, but there were guys, not not necessarily with the Bears, but in the divisional rivalries as a whole, there were guys that you didn't like. I mean, there were guys that you... That rubbed you the wrong way. Maybe you were the guy that rubbed them the wrong way yeah, too. Sometimes I, I
1: guarantee I was a I was a wrong way rubber. <laughs> <laughs> I, I didn't I didn't really get along with a whole lot of people a lot uh, during the during those days. So
0: you, I, we've never talked about it on the podcast. I know we talked about it at the time, but like when Julius got here in 14, then mm-hmm. was there some sort of like, what was the conversation? like?
1: No, Julius was great. Julius was great. And he, and you know, I have him on my list of favorite bears too, because he was, so, I mean, he, when he was with Chicago, actually his whole career, but especially when he went to Chicago was so big, he was like. I don't know. To me, it was like watching a team bring in a superstar from somewhere else and put them. I mean, right. it made them legitimate contenders immediately from day one when he got brought in. I'll never forget. I was laying in my bed the morning it happened. He had signed at like 8 in the morning. I said, oh, my gosh, the Bears just got Julius Peppers. This is going to change everything. Right.
0: This is not good. And,
1: and he was so good, and he was so physical, and he was so violent, and he never talked any trash. He just, he just, really, kind of, he just kind of went about his business out there. He never, ever, really talked trash when he was with the Bears, ever. I
0: still think my favorite of all of all the things we saw him do when he was your teammate, and then before when you guys would face him, but then after, I think you were already in New Orleans. But they these guys played there in seventeen. And in the game that Rogers came back from the broken collarbone Julius sacked him and it was almost like he picked him up like you would pick up your wife as you're going through the the threshold of the door on your wedding night and then like laid him down like he was, it was the most gentle sack in NFL history and he just you know that's how strongly he felt about Aaron obviously and they had such a close relationship all right so it is Bears week and that's obviously a big a big deal the game will be here at Lambeau and you know, I want to I, I want to before I bring this up, I want to say something. I, I like Alan Johnson a lot. I don't get to talk to him very much. He is the director of the grounds. He's the fields manager, yeah. and I am I was curious as to why we'd seen so many guys slipping, including local the the local team, the guys that are in the green and gold. Do you all think the time. this is
1: more than normal years?
0: I do. You do? I do. Uh, but I don't think it's something that you can't do anything about.
1: It's definitely not. Come on now. Come change on your now. cleats, man. Change, you, you have to. You have to change so your explain,
0: cleats. So explain. This is great because this is what one of the many things that's awesome about doing this with you and with Tausch is that you guys give people such insight. And here's the thing. I don't think a lot of fans know that there are a variety of types of cleats All kinds and of cleats. ways you can go about it. So take take us through, and, and, and you'll manage to make shoe talk interesting. Okay. So explain I'll to us. I'll do my best. I know you will. So explain to us what the issue is here with the cleat part of the slippage and what needs to change for guys.
1: The guys are not wearing the right spikes. They're not wearing the right spikes. Simple and, whether, as that. and whether they're whether they're whether they feel the pressure to wear the right spikes or or whether it's a built in excuse, I slipped, I fell, that's why I didn't make the play. You know, I was talking with Larry McCarron about this and he had told me that uh guys would come over from Minnesota and and Bud Grant would tell them, You are professional athletes, you are paid not to fall down. Right. And Edgar Bennett used to always say to us in the running back room, athletes fall down, or no, athletes don't fall down. Uh, Non-athletes fall down. If you fell down in a game with Edgar Bennett as your coach, if you slipped and fell, he would bring you out of the game and check your shoes. And if you had the wrong <laughs> shoes on, he would make you change your shoes. Until you changed your shoes, you did not go, go back, back in the, the game. game. Wow. If you came to the sideline and you had the right shoes on, he would tell you you were cutting off the wrong foot. So that's, that's the difference between I don't know if these guys are feeling the pressure enough to wear the right shoes. I will take it a step further. When I was down in New Orleans, we came here in 2017 to play a football game. In the scouting of all the film. Sean Payton found about 20 plays of teams that had lost games here at Lambeau Field that could be attributed to one single play where a guy slipped. And one of it was earlier oh in the year, the Cincinnati Bengals played here. Joe Mixon is a rookie, wearing the wrong shoes on a fourth and one, goes to take a handoff, slips and falls in the backfield. It ruins the play. The Packers losing overtime to the Cincinnati Bengals. Now, Sean Payton came to me for a scouting report on the field. So I told him everything about the shoes. I said, this is the shoes that we need to wear. If we don't wear these shoes, you will be slipping. It will be wet no matter what the surface is. That field gets a little bit of dew on it. it it's, it's a different field. This is meant to be the home field advantage of right This is what home field advantage is truly all about. You should know your surroundings. You should know what it takes. So I told all these saints that. I told the guys what to wear. And the guys that didn't listen to me, I'll never forget it. Kenny Vaccaro was one of them. We came out in pregame and we started our first calisthenics, which is a shuffle back and forth. Three guys fell right on slipped right out from underneath them oh fell gosh. right on their sides in pregame. So you knew the guys that weren't wearing the right spikes right from jump street because they were falling down in pregame warm ups.
0: So explain to folks because I, I and, and correct me if I'm wrong. I feel like there's really two basic styles of shoes. There's the molded cleats that are just attached to the shoes. Mm -hmm. And then there's the screw-in, drill-in ones that you can change the configuration. They're a little bit longer. I mean, then there's also, like, different lengths, right? So if you're playing on this field, it would seem, and again, correct me if I'm wrong, It would seem that molded cleats are the ones that tend to be the slippery cleats. Fair or not? You are
1: not wrong. That's exactly what's going on. See, the molded shoes, the people like them. More comfortable. Because they're more comfortable, they're lighter, and the surface area of your foot has equal pressure on it. Versus the the screw-ins, you have seven points of pressure. The seven seven spikes, the seven spikes push up into your feet so you have those seven points of pressure on your feet instead of it being equal throughout the entire and foot. is
0: that uncomfortable like not not to make a big deal out of it, but it's it, less it's, comfortable.
1: It's slightly uncomfortable. I would say the uncomfort is definitely not near as uncomfortable as getting hit by another full grown man out on the football field. So if you can't take the pressure of seven studs, you should not be playing in the NFL because So I'm out running twenty miles an hour into another man running twenty miles an hour definitely hurts far worse. So it it's you, you just gotta suck it up, and you got to say, "I'm going to wear these shoes on this field because this is what this is what holds up. I don't know to me to me it's like it's like these guys are able to go to their coaches and and they can look at a slip, and they're not feeling pre- for some reason. These guys that mm. are slipping do not feel the pressure to change their shoes because if they thought I always if I slip and fall and I cause an interception or a fumble right. or a guy getting like tackled like Darius Shepherd this season or anything if I cause some sort of bad thing to happen because I can't stay on my feet I'm getting cut. Right. And I don't guys don't feel that way.
0: So just to put a bow tie it in a bow as it were like your shoelaces. No,
1: I also will have to say for anybody listening and watching the Packer game this weekend, if somebody slips and falls, it does not 100% mean they're wearing the wrong spike. Right. But more times more often than, not, than not, they aren't.
0: So Edgar Bennett was on your case if you did it. I mean, you also, as a head coach, you have a million things on your plates, and you don't want to micromanage guys' shoe choices. So if, and it doesn't have to apply to this team specifically, what's the protocol to make sure guys stop making w- that mistake?
1: I will go back to the comment that bud grant made that Larry you guys McCarran are professional me, athletes. you are professional athletes you are paid not to fall down you're not fall down you just right. don't fall down you can get knocked down you can get tackled you can get tripped up you can't fall down right i'll right. we'll leave it at that that's
0: fair um it is it is Packers Bears week and
1: do you think by saying that for the 10th time are people forgetting in between <laughs> these pieces here that it's Packers Bears week
0: and the game will be <laughs> played at Lambeau Field uh and Aaron Rodgers versus Mitchell Trubisky will play a very significant role in how the game turns out mm-hmm. uh Tausch and I talked to Erlacher this morning uh, and another
1: one of my favorite bears.
0: Yeah, you like him. We were talking about yeah. that before we got started. Mm-hmm. You're you're an Urlacher fan. Yeah, uh, he is not a fan of Packers fans who either complain about Rogers not taking enough chances, or complain about him bleeding the clock down because he made very clear to us that for him. That was one of the things about Rodgers, because as a defense, sooner or later you have to declare what you're doing. Yeah. And if you wait till you're at the end of the play clock, then the offense does have that advantage. But there's also that narrative that he holds onto the ball too long. There's some statistics that would back up the fact that he's holding onto the ball. Look, I am not uh, one of these X's and O's Twitter guys that is is so authoritative in their view. Do I think that there are times when Aaron Rodgers could have gotten the ball out sooner? Yes. Do I think there are times when he looks around and no one is open, and so he doesn't throw the ball? Yes. Mm -hmm. Do I think there are times where he doesn't have enough time to get the ball out? Yes. I think that's my frustration, is that all things have a variety of variables to them. But if you're Aaron Rodgers, what do you need to be doing, really, from your perspective, to get this offense going more? And maybe that, in some instances, is the quick hit and get the ball out faster.
1: You know, I, this is such a conundrum because, it, and this is probably the one of the only quarterbacks I can't maybe Patrick Mahomes, maybe Lamar Jackson, maybe somebody like that, maybe Carson Wentz, maybe these few guys are the guys that that you're. You're torn. You're between, you're literally between a rock and a hard place. Between the guys that will hold on to the ball because they know they can make a play like Aaron made to Jamal Williams at Kansas City, falling off his back foot, drop it in a bucket in the corner of the end zone for a touchdown on a throw that Matt LaFleur said was the greatest throw he's ever seen. Right. And between kind of what we saw last week when they call a shot play against the perfect defense called and Aaron holds on to it trying to make a play happen and you know, either the pocket can collapse on him, The, the, the line's got a block forever or somebody doesn't get open and eventually just has to throw it away. But he puts himself in, at, at risk first of, right. of, of getting hit and taking a sack. So it's just, it, it's where do you want this to be? Where do you, do you want to handcuff him? and not allow him to to hold the ball and make these spectacular plays that you see, in order to eliminate the few plays a year that turn out bad when he does hold onto the ball, I don't know where you go there. It would be fantastic if, in a perfect world, when that play was immediately not there and the defense had it covered, if he could just scramble for three yards and get down, because then it's just as good as a run on first down. Or if he could just hit a check down instantaneously. But then again, if you're doing that, you're going to take away those plays that he shuffles around in the pocket and creates a touchdown.
0: So there are plays, too, that that take a while to develop. Uh, The downfield throw that he had that he missed on with Jimmy Graham, where Mm -hmm. it... You know I don't know if he threw it farther than he needed to or Jimmy Graham's not as fast as he thinks or Jimmy Graham
1: you know can we just miss throws sometimes right I mean, sure is, it, it, it's unbelievable if Aaron misses if Aaron throws a ball too far it's all of a sudden it's he's too accurate to make that miss but if another quarterback makes they're like that's a tough throw <laughs> we just That's hold true. we hold him to the most ridiculous standard out of any player we've ever seen.
0: And he look I, to his credit, there have been throws that he needed to make and he didn't. Right, and he said so. There yeah. was a throw in the game last Sunday against Washington where if he he keeps he's brought it up like three times, so you can tell that he's ticked that he oh, yeah. missed it. Where he could have slid to the side yeah. and he had Alan Lazard down the field open, yeah. and he never got it to him. So I get that, but. You know, I do think that there is a challenge both for him and for Matt LaFleur. Forget about the outside perception of us media folks or fans, but there is a challenge to make sure you find that sweet spot of, okay, sometimes you have to protect yourself from yourself. And yes, you could extend the play and have something good happen, but it's not the end of the world to get, you know, five yards on a checkdown and not get rocked because you stayed in the pocket. Yeah, it's took a hit.
1: you know, and and that is that is the tough part about coaching. That's the tough part about him playing it. That's the tough part about grading it afterwards because if you look the the uh, margin of error between an Aaron Rodgers perfect game, which scores forty five points, and an Aaron Rodgers game that you know he holds on to the ball and he has to throw it away, or he holds on to the ball and takes a sack, or he holds The margin of error for that is it, it's so tight, it's right. so tight. It, it's it, these games could unfold almost exactly the same, and just if those couple plays fall here or there, because you see what happens when he gets when he does get in a groove. And it was fourteen nothing to yeah, start the game last and you, week. And you see what happens when he stays in that groove, correct with, with Oakland. You know, and 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 going back to previous years, I still say the best game I ever watched him play was Atlanta playoff game, um, going to the Super Bowl. He extended about ten plays in that game and could not miss.
0: Right, and he had the one where the pass rusher—it was almost as if Rodgers like closed his eyes and disappeared, and then reappeared in another spot. When they, when
1: they blitzed the corner, yeah. and and he was the only one who saw it and got away from it and and threw the ball downfield on a dime. So, as you look
0: at and and again, there are some inexperienced guys that have brighter futures than maybe they have presence because they're developmental players. I mean, Alan Lazard has been a very pleasant surprise for a guy that didn't even make the opening roster before. Oh yeah, I mean he's, he's been,
1: the he's the, the he's the number two now. He is the number two. I mean, would you say would you say otherwise? No, and that. But
0: I think that tells you, you know. Marquez Valdez Scantling has obviously had a tough go of it the last six weeks. Geronimo Allison, who was off to such a great start last year mm-hmm. and then has the season ending abdominal injury, you know, he's been very much up and down. He's made some crucial catches, but yes, he's got he drops and you know, Jay Kumaro can't quite fit into an opportunity. Gets a little bit and then then he's not in the mix. And gosh, Ryan Grant's been here now for like two months and hasn't played yet. So Alan Lazard has been very good. Um but he, you know, he's still an unproven guy who entered as an undrafted free agent. He's not a ready-made. At what point guy.
1: in time is he proven in your eyes? I, I think if he can, I would say this. Aaron, you just you just admitted that Aaron acknowledged in the last game. If he sidesteps and hits him down the middle of the field, he has another big play. Yeah, that would have been that would have been like the fifth game in a row he made a big play for. Uh, Allen Lazard. So he has done enough in my eyes to warrant. The, he this guy can play, and he's a player. And I we agree should, with that. We should be using him more.
0: Maybe I have a higher standard because I got to be here for the eras where – you know, I always think back to that Sports Illustrated cover, which it's still just an absolute travesty that you're not on it. Um, <laughs> well, that was the receiving corps. It's Michael. <laughs> it's Donald Driver. James I, Jones. The, the Jordy one, Nelson. The one
1: I should I should have been on with the linemen when he got all the linemen on late. that's, yeah, yeah, that's true. It, you know, Aaron does some cool things. You know, he he really does. He got he got that one. He got all his receivers on. He got all of his linemen on. He has yet to get all of his backs on. It might happen this year with with Aaron You're Jones like year year
0: it. You're going to well, have like photo to sneak I'll in have the to sneak in the background.
1: I'll but, be just sitting in the stands while he's taking it.
0: But that's a different. I mean, that's obviously a different group. I didn't even get to Greg Jennings and Randall Cobb as I was rattling them off. Mm-hmm. That are all on that cover. I mean, that's these guys aren't there yet. And and
1: well, no, he's not. Listen, where I, I didn't say he was Jordy Nelson. I just asked how many plays does he have to make until he's warranted. Uh, another three or four. Okay. Well I'll, I'm, talk, I'm to a tough I'll yeah. talk to you at the end of the Bears game. T-
0: talk to Alan, pass that along to because I, I look I really do think he's he's got great size, he catches the ball, he sits next to Rodgers in meetings. How and, many
1: times have you seen him slip?
0: Uh that's a really that's a that's a good point. I, I was I, don't I think was
1: I, have. I was convinced there's been a couple games where he, he he was getting he was getting the looks because he was the guy finishing his route on his feet. You're right. You're right. Yeah. And, and, and I think it's
0: pretty clear that he has the firmest grab, grasp of the offense, that he seems to really he understand has, where he he's has,
1: going. He, yeah. I mean, of he, those
0: guys, not named Devontae. Yeah. Okay. Is that fair?
1: Yeah, I think that's fair. He definitely is in the right place at the right time. The coaches seem to really uh, they trust him. Mm-hmm. they trust him and they that's they will, not an easy thing and, to gain and they will throw him out there at crunch time and you've seen that several times throughout the course of the year and you should like him he blocks i like you know why i like him because there's some guys that you just look at that you know why they slip through the cracks with with the scouts you know Oh, he's not fast enough. Even though he ran like a 4-5-40. Oh, he's not fast enough. Oh, he's not quick enough out of his breaks. Oh, it's this... Like, they find every reason not to like him instead of just looking at the simple fact that when this guy plays football, he is good. Like, he knows the game. There's a feel that you can have sometimes on the field... I think he just has that feel. I don't need to press it up to ten yards to press the stem on this guy because I already have him beat on the stem. So I'll just I'll just break out and take the leverage that he gives me.
0: You know who's my favorite player that I covered that fits that description? Who? He's now a Pro Bowl player every year in Buffalo.
1: Micah Hyde. Micah Hyde. Yeah, he he did. Boy, I tell you, I I was talking to somebody the other day and the the it got posed like this now now zadarius smith is here he's ranked you know top 10 top 5 in sacks i think he's leading the league in pressures that was yes he he's uh i mean no nobody can convince us that the the packers signed this guy thinking they were going to get this type of productivity i'm i'm sure they thought he was good maybe right. even very good but at this point in time they're probably upstairs right now thinking Boy, did we get a bargain on this guy? Because we paid right. for ball, one of Baltimore's, you know, rotational guys to come here, and he is a stud. He is an absolute stud. And I was talking with some people about this, and I, and I just I couldn't help but say, it's about time the Packers got one of those guys. Because right. we left rotational guys go a lot that turned out to be studs on other teams. Casey Hayward, Micah Hyde, just to name a couple, all pros the year they right. leave here.
0: Right, uh, it, he. He was, a f- he, he was, he is still very much a football player, but that was the knock, right? He's not fast enough. We need to get faster in the secondary. Dude, listen,
1: he's not fast enough. The guy plays nickel for us, he plays safety for us, he plays punt returner for us, he plays kick returner, right. he runs gunner, or will be the personal protector. I mean, the guy did everything.
0: Right, he did. And and that was the other thing about, you know, you mentioned James Jones earlier. There's another guy who played faster than his speed. I
1: used to always pick on James when he broke for an 80-yard touchdown, and he did quite a few times. Times. He would get to the sideline and I'd say, James, that's the slowest 80-yard touchdown <laughs> I've ever seen. How dare you prove them wrong? It's
0: funny, though. Guys in their pads, there are guys that run the same speed whether they were in pads or out. And then there are guys that are very fast in their underwear, and then you put the pads on, and they're not as fast. I mean, how many times well, did you see Jordy Nelson caught from behind?
1: Not a whole lot. We used to, they used to call him White Lightning. When right. he was returning kickoffs for touchdowns here at Green Bay, actually his only his only touchdown got called back because of a holding. Wasn't me, really. But yeah, but he did have a kick return for a touchdown, and every day he ran right past, as he's running past people, they're looking at him like, "How is this guy beating
0: right. me?" Right. I remember having a conversation with Charles Woodson, and he and Rodgers had been on the sideline. I think it was during the 11th season, and Charles Woodson was convinced. You know, remember Charles Woodson, Hall of Famer he was convinced that opposing defensive players corners looked at a, looked at jordy nelson for the first x number of years of his career before he really established himself and said this white guy's not going to beat
1: me. I mean, that's <laughs> I, what Charles would I, say. I, I believe there's probably a little bit of truth to that. Right. I, I do. And and I think... And they were and, wrong. And, I, and I'll be dead honest. I think some people have slept on Alan Lazard this year, too. They thought, this guy's not going to run past me. And he has. Right. He has some really right. big plays.
0: Let's get to the injury report of this game. And oh, I, boy. I, and obviously, the, this is a team that has its own injury issues in Chicago. And they lost Roquan Smith. Uh, the Packers have been... You know, with the exception of Kevin King last week, uh, pretty darn healthy. Now, I think it's important, and, and you have taught me this, and we've had these conversations before, just because you're able to play doesn't mean you're not playing hurt. Yeah. But nobody cares.
1: Yeah, you know, Kevin was a surprise scratch last week. I mean, for for most of us, he he played the week before. He was listed on the injury report. It's not uncommon to see him listed right. as limited on the injury report, and right. he just kind of popped up as as and inactive for for the game and and that was a surprise so maybe he has been playing hurt a lot more than what we thought this year or maybe this was just an instance where you know he was borderline like he had been three weeks and they said all right enough of this let's let's, let's finally get you healthy for this three game divisional uh finish that we have here three very important games to to decide what the packers are going to be going into the playoffs but aside from him and being questionable. This Packers team again is right. as healthy right. as you could be. They have missed. I I, I cannot confirm this. You know
0: exact so but I'll just I, throw it out there.
1: I would say less than ten starts out of their out of all their starters all year. They've had less than ten starts missed out of th- in thirteen games. That's unbelievable. And you look at the Bears this week, and I can tell you four guys who started the first game against us that absolutely will not play. And I can tell you another five who started against us who were up in the air. Right. That is to possibly have nine guys who played against us in the first game not play this game. Now they'll probably fall somewhere around you know five or six guys that don't play against us. But think about that. Right. They have five or six guys that played against us the first time that won't play this time around. Those guys have to learn their way through the season and, and, and play their games and, and try and get up to that speed. That's that's an unbelievable advantage for the Packers in, in, in the health category.
0: Yeah, and you know I, I like Lane Taylor a lot. He suffered that injury early in the season, but... Even if he stays healthy, it would appear that the way Elton Jenkins has played, he would have overtaken him at some point anyway.
1: It looked like it. it, The way they were rotating them in games, as it it was, um, it it could have likely been that case. I mean, we'd like to have Lane healthy, obviously, because that gives an advantage for um, a rotational guy, like when Balaga gets nicked up or something like that. They could throw him in easily, or or even a a sixth lineman with a tight end spot that you've seen Lucas Patrick do a lot this year. Um, I will say, um, the Roquan Smith... Uh, Danny Trevathan, the the duo on the inside for the Bears missing this game, I thought, and I still think, I mean, when I watched the way they played in that first game against us and how impactful they were, especially on the first drive of that game, I thought not having either of them was going to be a huge, huge loss for the Bears. And it still might be. But I have watched the way, and I I don't want to butcher their names, but Kolkowski (laughs) And and Pierre Louis,
0: yeah, forty four and fifty seven. That's why Rogers referred to him by his
1: number two. Two two unbelievable <laughs> last names to try, and I don't know if it's Pierre Louis or or if it's we, we <laughs> it's, it's Those those two guys, Marie
0: Zabegats. As
1: I've watched them, they're running around. They're They're doing great things. So now I think, man, I hope I did not do these two backups an injustice and they come in here to to Lambeau Field and make their mark. Now that I've been telling everybody, watch the Chicago Bear linebacker position. They don't have their two guys from the first game.
0: Uh, Nick Quiett. Kosky?
1: Okay. Well, you did a much better job than him. We'll consider- I'm
0: not going to claim that to be accurate we'll either. I gave it a try
1: when we get the from pronunci- West Virginia. When we get the pronunciation cards, you know, for, for yeah, – f-
0: You're the sideline guy. you got to know this. I didn't get my card
1: yet. I, started oh, okay. practi- I start practicing time. names on Fridays.
0: All right. So before we wrap things up, what's the one thing that you're really going to be when you're down on the sideline doing your responsibilities for the Packers radio network? I know you're taking it all in. Mm-hmm. but what's the one thing that you kind of are going into this game saying I got to keep an eye on this because this could decide the game
1: well there's two things I want to see and obviously Akeem Hicks whether he's up or down is going to have a huge, huge impact on right. this I want to see how the Packers run the football they couldn't do it at all in the first game they had a couple uh, six seven yard runs toward the end They, they I mean that first game that Bear, both defenses were lights out but that Bears defense was unbelievable in the season opener you know the both defenses were so good that the game got Kind of a, 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 it was almost like a, a slur that it was a boring game to watch because both defenses played right. so outstanding. So I want to see the Packers off. I want to see because if you remember, we've created our run game since then. Right. It was after week You're four right. that we decided to abandon the outside zone and start running some more downhill stuff, and that has kept teams off balance and. In Washington, against Washington last week, we came back and ran outside zone again. It was like the rebirth of what Matt LaFleur said was going to happen this year. And we ran outside zone, and we ran it well last week. So now the Bears, are they looking at our outside zone that they stopped week one? Are they looking at our gap scheme that we did against the Cowboys? Or are they looking at inside zone, which we ran down the teeth of uh, Kansas City Chiefs? It's going to be very interesting. And I think that that's what I'm going to watch when the Packers have the ball. When the Packers are on defense, I want to see if Mitch Trubisky has really developed because everything I'm reading and everything I'm seeing on film is that he's got the reads for these RPOs now. He knows when to get rid of the ball based off of the structure. I have three over three with the inside backer leaning more towards the end of the box, and I get the ball. I get rid of the ball. He's reading the ends. He's able to get out, and he's not just getting out. He's getting out and making explosive runs because he's able to read the blocking on the second level, which is an innate characteristic for running backs, but not necessarily for quarterbacks right, right. to see the scheme on the second level. So I want to see, is Mitch Trubisky, has he really developed? Or, or has this just been a hot streak against some cold teams recently?
0: Right. Well, we will find out, and we will talk about it next week in Episode 11. We're still counting? You don't want me to count? I'll no, stop. I'm
1: you said pick. you were going to 100. Well, yeah, so
0: but then I, then I didn't know if it was 8 or 9 last week. It was 9, by the way. This was 10. Thanks for doing this. You're God, you're so good.
1: No, he's Jason Wildy. I'm John Kuhn. And Coon. he's
0: John Coon. This is the Coon Podcast. Thanks for listening.